Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. How much longer will justice when Hello, everybody. This is Shane Claiborne, and I'm so glad you could join me. It, 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 there is a lot going on in the world, and every week we're talking about how our faith connects to the world that we're living in right now so that our faith does not just become a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we're living in right now. And uh, what a time to be alive, to think about what it looks like to be light in the world. Uh, I was, I've been writing a, a, a children's version of, of the Bible and um, uh, I, I had, it came across the translation of the light in the world, and I decided I would translate it that we're meant to be like chocolate in the ice cream, <laughs> mm-hmm. or like uh, uh, sprinkles on top, or or the uh, like. Stanley Hauerwas talks about it. We're like air fresheners in the toilet because the world can stink mm-hmm. sometimes. So, what does it mean to be light in the world? And I've got one of my friends that's joining me today that has been such a bright light, uh, and. And uh, someone I just love and admire so much. You're you're in for a treat today. We're going to have Jonathan Martin. Hey, buddy, good to be with you. Thank you so much, my friend. I'm so honored to be here. I mean, you've been one of those bright lights for me for for so long, and you know you're one of the people I admire and adore the most. So what a what a treat for me to get to to be here. And as you say, what a time to be alive. What a weird and wonderful time to be alive and to be able to have conversations like this. Yeah, heck yeah, to be air fresheners in the toilet. Yeah, so here we are. Yes. Uh, well, so for folks that don't know, Jonathan Martin has done a lot of stuff. He's he's a author and speaker. He's the host of Zeitcast, uh, a wonderful podcast I've been on a bunch of times. Uh, was one of the founding pastors of The Table, a beautiful congregation uh, in Oklahoma. Uh, he's written in all kinds of stuff, New York Times, Newsweek. He's been on NPR, Forbes magazine. Um, and right now, he is the chaplain of DePaul University. And I got to be out there. There's some beautiful stuff stirring up at DePaul University out in Indiana, uh, a historically Methodist school. And you got you got some of those Methodist roots happening. I mean, you know, all this kind of evolves and grows, but you've also got some Pentecostal roots. So we we are brothers from another mother. And it's always good to be together, man. Um, you've written this new book, The Road Away from God, that we're going to talk about. But first, how are you, man? It's good to see you. Oh, it's so good to see you. You know, honestly, um, I'm still buzzing from the time we had here a few weeks ago as that you referenced. It was just such a it just turned out to be such a special time. Deposit an interesting place because it does have historic Methodist roots. Um, but I mean, I feel like you know, like for example, I mean, I did a I did a THM at uh, at Duke Divinity about like Duke um, Christian roots, but certainly not like a Christian university. And so the level at which the university as a whole embraced the event that happened here 
uh, our Mendenhall lecture and then focusing specifically on the death penalty and on black history. Uh, I mean, it was just just electrifying. And uh, yeah. of course, Govan Church, as you know, where Dr. King spoke, um, just like such a convergence of really uh, just, just some mysterious, wonderful things that are happening on our campus right now. So, you know, I'm, I'm great. It feels like there's 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 a lot of stuff stirring up here that's that's really profound right now. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that uh, Dr. King had been there and I, I didn't, uh, you know, know that when I, until I arrived, you might have mentioned it. But I said Howard Thurman was there as well, right yeah. from the same like pulpit that we were at. And your school, the 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 school there, um, a lot of these schools can kind of feel like they're having a hard time keeping an edge. And, and you know, do they keep the roots? Do they let them go? And. Eastern University, where I went, was one of the first Christian colleges, liberal arts, you know, Christian colleges that had a female president. Uh, Roberta mm-hmm. Heston is at the time. She, that was um, very new in a in a kind of man's world. And not only do you have uh, uh, a female president, but an African-American female president, which is really yes. beautiful and exceptional in kind of that world of the evangelical Christian schools that yours is a little different because it's kind of come out of that tradition, but I don't know if you want to say more about the conversations you're having. Cause when I was on campus, it was so refreshing and it felt like really natural, like a, a spiritual curiosity that wasn't kind of being imposed, but was, uh, but you, you could feel the pulse of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Uh, uh, curiosity is a great word for it because I think um, for a university that's, that is, as diverse as DePaul is. But as you said, Dr. White's an extraordinary woman who very much owns her own uh, kind of Methodist heritage. And so it just seems like a time in the university where uh, people maybe even um, more than more than ever feel like they're able to talk openly about their their faith. But knowing a lot of people were in that space who who don't necessarily have a clearly articulated belief system and anything like like Christianity, but I feel like I've heard a lot of things since of something like, okay, well, if this is what worship sounds like is I know I, I reference that, that one night, sort of even the idea of the sound of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it sounds like freedom, if it sounds like justice, if it sounds like liberation, oh, I'm into this, you yeah. know? And, and there was something for me that was just very primal about that, that there's people sort of speaking the same language of spirit, even when the theological grammar is not the same. That, yeah, I, that's always yeah. really inspiring when that happens. <laughs> yeah. And, and there is, it feels like there's something happening. You know, we still got some culture wars and some political divisions oh, sure. and all this stuff, but you know, uh, I've done several shows with folks down at Asbury university, which is a historically Methodist school. That's got that's kind good. of a history of having renewals or revivals, these kind of like fresh touches of the spirit. And they've been, you know, course having round they they went to chapel two weeks ago and never left (laughs) and uh but there was a different kind of like kind of movement that i felt when i was out at depaul was its own kind of renewal uh um but you you know we had reverend otis moss and cc reverend cc jones and antoinette uh jones uh 
it was just an incredible uh, thing. So say just a little bit more. And I think people can still see, catch glimpses of it online, right? We got that all recorded and stuff, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely still online. Uh, it's on, I know on my Facebook page, I think y'all shared on Red Letter as well. Um, we're going to, you know, make sure it's out in audio podcast form. It, you know, it did feel very revivalistic to me, even though it's, it's sort of different in character than what's happening in Asbury. The through line for me, and, and this is one of the reasons why it's hard for me to be cynical, even though I know there are a lot of reasons that one one could be. I feel like there's such a craving for simplicity and for something that feels connected to, to God and to others on like a really fundamental level. Um, it's, it's almost like I I see, especially in students right now, we're getting to a place where, um, as cynical as my generation, I think our generation has become, I almost feel like this generation is a little bit post that, like some (laughs) of the, and, and Hey, it's not that there are no versions of this conversation are happening, but I, for years have been walking with people who are in some, and you know, whatever language you want to use, um, for shorthand, we'll say deconstruction. I've been walking through so many with so many people through that kind of journey for so long. And it's a sacred thing to walk with people through like faith transition. I love that and um, take that very seriously. But it's interesting how a lot of that kind of deconstruction conversation, like with our students here at DePauw, kind of don't know what I'm talking about because I don't think they they didn't really have something and then get disenchanted with it and and lost it. It's sort of um, so, so I don't know, there's almost this sense of, of things becoming new again, maybe the innocence on the other side of experience to use the, the William Blake poem, like something yeah, like yeah. that, that I feel like is happening among students in particular. That's interesting, uh, you know, because I, I, I'm sort of feeling that, too. Uh, there's been a lot of pushback on the idea of the revival at Asbury, you know, and um, and um, and there's there's a lot that people are working through layers of baggage and some, some of them really literally very harmful experiences that um, uh, sometimes even, you know, physical abuse or, you know, different things. So there's, there's some real stuff going on, but I like you, I think that there, there is a curiosity and I think coming out of COVID, there's a new sense of a desire to belong and to be together. And, you know, you watch these young people just worshiping for hours and hours. And there's something in me that I just, I'm like, man, I don't get upset when the birds are chirping, you know, like, like this, is, there's something there's some, and, and honestly, from some of my non-Christian friends, I've, I've felt more of a fascinating curiosity than some of my progressive friends that already have a category for that. You know, they're like, well, this right. yeah, been there, done that, you know, or whatever. Right. So, yeah. Um, right. Shane, I so get it. Like, and, 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 and here's the thing that's very nuanced. I'm so with you in terms of people have real trauma and I know people who come out of revival culture had traumatic experience. I understand um, how some of that can feel triggering, you know, whatever, like, like I, I, I get it, but here, and I understand too, the notion of, Hey, if it's real revival, then, you know, there'll be justice. We of all people are going to be down with all that. Here's where it gets tricky though, for me. And where I like, I have pushed back in some of my own conversations to, to the pushback. I feel like I've come a long way in my life to, I'm so uncomfortable when people say that God is not doing things, not able to do things, somebody literally just told me they were in class the other day, like a theology class, where the professor was saying that the purpose of theology is to give parameters to what people can believe. And I was like, what a terrible, <laughs> that's terrible. Like, I, I think most of, mostly what theology is, you know, is 
blowing up the parameters, you know, God's always bigger. And I'm, and I just think of all the ways now, you know, that I, especially the work that I'm doing, there's such an interfaith side. I can so deeply acknowledge the spirit's work in traditions and systems so unlike mine and to not to come as far as I have to not be threatened. I was at a Hindu temple the other night uh, with our students and it was beautiful in every way. So it's just, so weird to come this far all the ways that I feel like we we worked hard a lot of us to get to a place to say hey we're not going to say the Holy Spirit's not moved like x y and z to now come around and to say like well God it could be moving in any other context except corporate like singing songs or like whatever I'm just not comfortable <laughs> with like that sense of like like you know what I mean like the restriction yeah, totally, in that. Man. Well, you know, I, I, part of what I, I think is so beautiful and um, wonderful about Jesus is that he's often coloring outside the lines, but he's often yes. also coloring inside the lines. Right? <laughs> sure. like, yeah, we're going to go sure. to the temple. We're going to do Passover. We're going to get baptized in the Jordan, you know, like, and yet. Yes. I can also heal with mud and spit, you know, like I can That's turn, right. we're going we're gonna to turn some water into wine. We're going to, uh, you know, like, like throw the paradigm off. So there's this sense of like yes. God can work inside and outside. And I think even, you know, the, the kind That's of right. symbol, but the also, you know, the, the iconic thing that happened is Jesus was crucified and the veil of the temple was ripped open. It's kind of this, yes. this invitation to see that, uh, that the temple isn't confined, but it doesn't mean that, that God can't move in the, in the temple too. I mean, Jesus was Jewish. He was, was building on the story of what God's been doing from the beginning of time that he was a part of. So anyway, this is great. And I think like it, it ties in directly with your book. Let me just like reintroduce you for folks that might just be tuning in. Uh, th- I've been talking with Jonathan Martin, y'all. Uh, he's an author and speaker. He's uh, a pastor. He's got a pastoral heart, just a great brother. Uh, and he's the chaplain of DePaul University right now. Um, written in, His newest book is The Road Away from God. And I want to talk about that some because it ties in with some of the other stuff we're talking about. But, you know, our, as we write books, it's kind of like... Um, I had a friend tell me, don't write unless you cannot not write, like write the fire in your bones, you know, write yeah. from your heart. And you've done that. And before we get to the new book, talk just a little bit about you wrote prototype and then you wrote how to survive a shipwreck. So while this isn't a trilogy, it is a narrative that's kind of building out of your life. So uh, I want to spend some time on the new one, but give, give folks a little backdrop if they haven't read your other books. Well, quite frankly, Shane, I find this whole phenomenon to be a little bit creepy because I feel like there is this way that God writes a story of our lives in ways that we don't intend and you don't know what's happening at the time. And boy, have I seen that in the way these three books have come to be, because none of this was intentional. Prototype was a book that was all about recapturing like the the childlike, almost garden-like wonder and innocence how to survive a shipwreck then very unintentionally, I think is, is a cross death, grief, descent, failure, falling, go all the way down into the grave book. And then I think this book really is a resurrection book. And mm. so it's, it's strange to me how that pattern finds us, um, which for me, I think has happened just through through living. I feel like I lived my way into that, backed my way into it. You know, in ways you could... 
I couldn't have plotted out if I if I if I tried. Um, but it it did feel like in a very literal way, this book was a resurrection book for me, experiencing a lot of new life. It took me way too long to write, but I think there uh, there was a sense even in that that. You know, shipwreck for me felt like kind of a long season. And um, like a lot of us, you always kind of want to skip to the resurrection. And I think there was almost a sense of feeling a little bit held in that of kind of like, okay, not was it really time to write this until I'd lived into some resurrection <laughs> a little bit more, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, when you when you read the title, The Road Away from God, you can almost feel like this is one of those deconstruction books. It's yeah. it's someone telling their story of, you know, how I built this robust spiritual faith and then spent the second half of my life tearing all that down. And uh, we've got plenty of mutual friends that have kind of walked away from the faith or have just decided that um, the the structures of belief that they um they developed are not true for who they are. And um, there's a lot of grace there, but I think, you know, this is not that kind of book. It's, it's different, but talk, talk a little bit about how you got the title and, and, you know, some of the things that, that people can look forward to reading in it. Well, you know, the title really is, it's almost a joke. It's so misleading. Um, the road away from God, of course, the subtitle does give a bit away in terms of how love finds us, even as we walk away for me, the whole conceit is this, um, and it's the story I became obsessed with in the last few years. So I couldn't stop thinking about it, couldn't stop talking about it, because it this is the center of the universe for them. Um, but then after Jesus is killed, so far as they understand it, uh, all hope is lost. And so for them, I'm convinced this road from you know Jerusalem to Emmaus, in their minds, is a walk away from God. Now, like for those of us who know the story, we know the big reveal is that God is actually walking alongside them in a form that they've not yet recognized. And mm. that's one of the reasons why I'm not overly freaked out um, by the whole kind of deconstruction thing is I, I just have this sense. And I don't ever want to make it sound like Jesus is stalking people. You, you have to have a relationship with Jesus that's somehow not consensual or something weird like that. That's certainly not the idea. I just really do believe that there we'll do what we want. But then again, God is often writing a different story. And I think what for some people will often feel like a complete unraveling of their faith actually is a letting go of one kind of faith into one that's larger, mm. uh, where that process is necessary. But like when you're in the middle of it, you you don't see it yet. I mean, it takes it takes the disciples kind of a long time before they recognize Jesus for who he is. And I think a lot of folks are still kind of on that road where God is already alongside them in a form. They just haven't recognized it. Doesn't mean God's not there. So it, it, it can feel like the loss of faith. I just think, you know, the end of that story for a lot of folks is not yet written and hoping, hoping that people can kind of find themselves somewhere in there. Yeah. And, you know, as we were when we were hanging out in Indiana, we were talking a lot about, you know, I was I was sharing a little bit about how we're doing, you know, the, the housing um, reconstruction in Philly. And there's some houses that look really bad, but they're they're actually structurally sound. It's mostly aesthetic. You know, you just they need uh maybe some new new electric and new sheetrock, but it's not terrible. And there's other houses that look all right, but 
when you mm-hmm. dig a little deeper, the whole structure of it's falling apart. Um, we've got one of those right now. It's got a tree growing out of the, the wow. basement, but you know, and, and, and it feels like, you know, some of those you're better off just like going, Hey, we're going to start from scratch. You know, there's an empty lot next to us. Let's build a new house. But, you know, I think it's, it's hard to have that discernment in the church because this is all entangled. And some of our denominations were built, um, on, on shaky foundations. I mean, they were built on from being on the wrong side of uh, racial equality and justice. Uh, I won't mention names, but we know. Them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Sure. Um, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, others like it, it's kind of like we're trying to start something brand new, but we don't want any of the roots of that. And, and it right. can end up being um, a little clunky, right? Like some of our, you know, the Pentecostal and non-denominational churches that have no accountability and no real roots. And uh, my friend Chris Haas says it's kind of like you you, you want Christianity. uh, It's like it's like being from the Midwest and saying I don't have an accent. You know, you want Mm. Christianity without an accent, but you're always going to have an accent, you know. Um, And yeah, so like. Um, when you, when you're looking at that, I mean, you've, you've got all this blended in you, you know, you got some of the charismatic stuff you've got, and and there's always been some bones to spit out. So what do you, what do you say to some folks that, uh, maybe have that curiosity and they're leaning in right now, but they're, they got a suspicion with the institutional church, uh, but they still kind of are really fascinated with Jesus. Part of the thing for me that is has been so compelling and that I just can't let go of is that, and I know, Shane, that this resonates with your own journey. There have been people in whom I have seen um, the witness of Jesus that I just, I can't deny the Jesus I've seen in them. Um, one chapter I talk at length about, about Otis Moss III and Trinity United Church of Christ being one of those places for me, but there's so many. And for me, it's just become such a significant point that I, I just can't concede Jesus to like the people, the, the sort of co-opted empire Jesus. Um, I think that the Jesus that Howard Thurman saw and wrote about actually is the real Jesus. Um, or even people like our friend Rachel Held Evans, others. It's like, I think like they really were grasped by something that I want to be grasped by. Mm. So that's, that for me has become like such a significant point, not trying to, to shame anybody into anything. But um, for me, there's something to this idea that I, I can't let go of the idea that I think that Jesus is the real Jesus. And sometimes, you know, I know Lisa Sharon Harper uh, talks about, you know, kind of like if you're if you walk away from Jesus, which Jesus are you walking away from? I mean, if this is, is in fact, a, a brown skin Palestinian crucified by the empire like Messiah, what what does that mean? And and I so um that's a Jesus I can't let go of either. And yeah. um I, I think there there's something to see in a weird way, even though a lot of it's messy, I actually tend to think the Holy Spirit is the author of this mischief. <laughs> that yeah. is something like deconstruction. I do think so many of these foundations are faulty. A lot of it had to to blow up. That doesn't mean everybody's response is healthy or anything like that. But I do actually think yeah. ultimately that you know being untethered from some of some of the institutional structure in the ways that we have been is something that had to happen in the in the narrative with the disciples where um, Jesus says, you know, don't you see that you know the the prophet said these things had to happen? I don't think that actually was kind of like a. 
um, something really scripted through the Hebrew Bible. I think it was more of the idea that the way of the prophets is always the way of suffering. I, I think this yeah, is yeah. a kind of suffering, the suffering often that is that is looking in the mirror and confronting our true selves, you know, a reckoning that's had to happen within within the church. I think this is what yeah. the prophets have always tried to tell us, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of thinking of it. Even the being numbered among the transgressors, you know, like the 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 uh, yes. uh when, when people have weapons ready and they're ready for a violent revolution and Jesus knew that they would be in the number, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Try, trying to trying to teach them another way but knew uh yeah, all that stuff feels like so beautiful and like true and it would have you know like th- that even the fact that um you know some of jesus's own disciples betrayed him you know one took yes. their own judas uh you know took his own life um was really haunted by the betrayal and i mean there's just all that stuff is in there right <laughs> it's, yes. it's a story of of love and friendship and um man this this uh this time's flying by. So I just want to, uh, we got like a couple minutes left. And the other thing I, I thought was worth talking about is that, um, you know, I think a lot of people get discouraged with Christianity that is inactive. You know, mm. um, I, I, I've got a letter from someone years ago that said, I find myself very lonely between, uh, uh, caught between inactive believers and mm. Uh, unbelieving activists. So wow. friends that are socially active, but they don't really have a grounding in faith and uh, other folks that have the faith thing, but they're, you know, they're not in the streets. And I think that's some of the blowback people have with Christians that are worshiping for days on end. It's, it's, yeah. I think it's beautiful. You, you know, you seem to think it's beautiful, but it's also like you go, well, doesn't that, don't you at some point get off your knees and do something? And one of the things that we talked about in, in Terra is Terra Haute is just an hour away yeah. or not even an hour away from DePaul University, which is where our federal execution chamber is, where all of our uh, executions that happen at a federal level happen there. And uh, we, we kind of only half joked about uh, wouldn't it be beautiful to come out there to, to uh, Indiana to see the demolition of the death chamber. And we're asking Joe Biden to actually tear that thing down, you know, to make it harder for future presidents to kill. That's not the only thing we want to see, but um, yeah. say a little bit more about like how, you know, prayer should lead us to action. Let's close out with that, bro. Well, um, you know, I really think um the further I go into any of this kind of work, the more central prayer becomes to me for this reason. Um, again, there's never an attempt to shame anybody. It's more that the the resistance is so real and the work is so hard. I mean, when you're coming against the empire, it's grinding. It is disheartening. And I think at a certain point, you know, you just you need something to energize you that's beyond yourself or inevitably you flame out. And a lot of activists do flame out. So that's why I'm so passionate about people just having soul care and prayer in particular in this work is because I think, you know, it, it's a way of nourishing one's own roots in a way that allows you to keep burning and doing the work. Yeah. And uh, we won't get into it this time, but we we really uh, 
gelled our friendship with the holy mischief Jonathan Martin and I uh I mean when when uh, he was kicked off of Liberty University campus that's when we knew we were we were soul brothers and <laughs> went back right. and had the Lynchburg revival so we'll have to talk about all that next time we're out of time y'all but it's been a wonderful half hour with my friend my brother Jonathan Martin make sure you check out his new book The Road Away from God and he's got his pod uh, his his uh, podcast Zeitcast and you can see more about him at redletterchristians.org. Thank you, buddy. Love you. Thanks so much for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. But at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.